Good morning from Northeast by Midwest. This is Jonathan Jones. Well, happy Monday. It's another week. Are you ready for it? Yeah, <laughs> here it comes, huh? Well, this is the first Monday after NFL season started. Oh, yeah. So, for those of you that uh, are into fall sports, we're in high swing now in baseball season. College football's off and rolling, and now the NFL. But today, I'm going to talk about things that last for eternity. <clears throat> yeah, I'm going to tackle that age-old subject. It's a hard one, but it's one we've got to discuss. This won't be the final one, but it's uh, hopefully a good primer, and that is God's sovereignty and our responsibility. God's sovereignty and our responsibility. Have you figured that one out yet? Yeah, me either. <laughs> but here's a few thoughts on it that uh, the Lord has been kind of uh, working me through today as we think through this on the podcast. And he's been using the book of Ruth. Uh, as a church, we've been looking and working through the book of Ruth. We uh, just finished up. And, you know, as as we've worked through the book of Ruth, I, I have to share a little bit of my heart. I really haven't shared a lot of this, some of this with the church. I obviously haven't really done that here on the podcast, and so I thought now might be a good time. But Ruth has really kind of rocked my world in a lot of ways, uh, more than, frankly, I anticipated. I just didn't, kind of didn't see it coming. Always appreciated the book. I had a fairly, I think, good, larger understanding of the book. But to be honest with you, not really, um, I don't think I really had a good grasp on Ruth. And you know, like most times I study books in the Bible, I kind of feel like once the, uh, you know, once the, um, the study's done, I could probably teach it. <laughs> and now we're done with it. So, um, so we'll have to come back someday. And, and I kind of feel like the lessons just go deeper and deeper. But if you're not familiar with Ruth, let me just give you kind of a general outline. So you have this gentleman named Elimelech. Uh, by the way, if, if you're interested, maybe you're not sure, Ruth is towards the front of your Bible, if you were to open it up. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth. Uh, Ruth happens during the time of the Judges. Uh, sort of the idea, the main idea is, um, in Judges, is everyone did what was right in their own eyes. So they didn't really have a king. They would have these different Judges that would come along, kind of get them focused back on God. And then they would sort of just do their own thing. And it's not pretty. And so Ruth happens at somewhere during that period. <clears throat> and so you have this gentleman named Elimelech. And he and his wife, interestingly enough, his name means um, God is my king. They kind of turn their back on God. They leave Bethlehem, which is the house of bread, which ironically has no bread. And they go to Moab, which is pretty much a desert place that probably didn't have much bread either. But they make it there. And sadly, Elimelech and his wife Naomi, um, Elimelech dies. They also have two sons who marry two wives, and their sons die. And it's sort of, uh, kind of, in the Old Testament, the fact that there's no children born and the, the men die is kind of a sign of God's judgment, uh, that they had turned their back on the Lord and left the nation of Israel. So... You know, it's not really a, a fun, exciting book, at least not to begin with. It's really kind of sad. And so Naomi says to her two daughters, our uh, daughter-in-laws, which are now ultimately her daughters, Ruth, and the other one is Orpah, look, 
I'm going back. Don't call me Naomi because her name means pleasant. She says, call me Mara, which is bitter. And so she's, she's had it with the Lord. She's done. She says, don't come back with me. And they both say, no, no, we're going to come with you. And finally, Orpah leaves and goes back. And then Ruth makes this really incredible statement and says, look, where you go, I'm going to go. Where you stay, I'm going to stay. Where you die, I'm going to die. And your God is going to be my God. So Ruth essentially confesses what we would call a, a Christian. You know, she confesses God is her God. So Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi, make the trek back. Um, they've been there about 10 years. It's about a 10-day trip back. And they come back and all the women of Bethlehem, which now has bread. And part of the reason they go back is it had come to them that Bethlehem now had bread again. So there's some irony there, but also the fact that God is now blessing Israel. Now, one thing you have to understand when studying Ruth is God is, as always, no matter what people do, he's going to work out his plan. And so this is sort of the idea of God's sovereignty. But also, we're going to see our responsibility. I mean, God didn't pick up Naomi and Ruth and bring them back. They had to walk back, right? Um, so we have a part to play. And even if we flub things up, even if we mess things up, even if we go against what might be God's perfect plan, he's God. So that doesn't change his plan. He just circumvents it another way. We see that all throughout the Bible. And so the main issue in Ruth is God has a kingly line a seed that's going to come through. And Elimelech happens to be from the right clan. Well, the problem now is Ruth and Naomi, uh, Naomi's probably too old to have children. Ruth still can, but she has no guy. So the long and the short of it, if you're not familiar, is that's Ruth 1 I just gave you. And then really Ruth 2 and 3 are sort of where Ruth runs into this guy, Boaz, who happens to be from the same clan as Elimelech. And um, without going through the whole story of Ruth, the long story short is Ruth starts working in his field and then essentially makes a pitch um, because she realizes, actually her mother-in-law does, Naomi, that Boaz is of the same family. And there's this wonderful um, rule, law that God has, where when a husband dies and there's no kids, that one of his family members has to carry on the family name if he's not married. And so Naomi recognizes that Booth is or that, that Booth that uh, Boaz is from the right family, um, and so Ruth, being a Moabite, who's now confessed their God, comes in, and uh, Boaz is not married, so it works out perfect. And so, long story short, they get married, and um, in chapter four, uh, they end up having a son, and his name is Obed, and. It's pretty awesome because what happens is uh, Ruth, who's not even an Israelite, becomes the great-great-grandmother of a guy you probably are familiar with, and that's King David, the same guy that killed Goliath, who becomes the great-great-grandfather, many times removed, of our Lord Jesus Christ when he incarnated and became a human. So, pretty awesome stuff. You know, you can't read Ruth without seeing the intricate sovereignty of God, where God is behind the scenes, literally working all things out. And even things where there's bad choices made, um, you and I can do the same. We're not going to neg ultimately negate his plan. You know, we do have decisions we have to make. We have choices. And so, you know, I, I just wanted to offer kind of as a maybe more of a devotional thought today, but something for you to think about. You know, for those of you that may not be Christians and you might say, well, I just believe in chance or serendipity or luck or whatever it might be. You know, friend, I, I would just challenge you on that. You know, 
many times, you know, if, if, if we are to really go down that line, um, you know, the kind of luck you would need, there's all kinds of different metrics that have been studied, but one of them was, you know, for instance, for all of the prophecies about the Lord Jesus, who happens to be the great, great, great granddaughter of this woman I just mentioned, Ruth and her husband, Boaz, um, you would have to drop uh, 50 cent pieces over the state of Texas. And for those of you that might be from out of the country, uh, Texas is a pretty big state. It's one of our larger states next to, you know, uh, I think actually Alaska is the largest and then you have Texas and then California. So it's, it's a pretty big piece of land. And you'd have to drop 50 cent pieces two feet deep over the entire state of Texas. And on one side of one of those 50 cent pieces, mark an X. And your chance of all the prophecies of Jesus just happening to come true would be picking up that one coin as you parachuted in the state of Texas. Now, could it happen? Sure. I'm not a mathematician, but you go figure it out. You know, serendipity, chance, uh, luck. You know, I know some people believe in that. I think it's far-fetched. And, and I think in a lot of ways that may take more faith than believing in the God that the Bible presents, the one true God. And, and so just something for you to think about, you know, how, how do we measure those metrics? When we read a book like Ruth in the Bible, we're confronted right away with bad choices and good choices that are made. And ultimately, the God's going to use both to bring about his purposes. And so I just wanted to give you, you know, a couple things to think on. Um, you know, one, for those of us that do claim to be Christians, the Apostle Paul will tell us in Romans chapter 8 that all things work together for good for those that are called according to his purpose, for those he called, you know, he justified, he glorified, and so on and so forth. He predestined. And, and so the reality, friends, is that even the bad things in our life, that's why Joseph could say what you meant for evil to his brothers, God meant for good. So we don't rejoice in evil. Oh, no, we never have and we never should. But, he, but God is the only person I know who can take even really bad situations and somehow, some way, somewhere bring good out of it. And so there's a statement, there's a book I would commend to you. It's called Ruth for You, written by uh, Tony Merida, uh, M-E-R-I-D-A. He teaches at uh, Southeastern uh, Baptist Seminary down, I believe, in Wake Forest, North Carolina. Um, but anyway... Uh, he has a statement in in here in chapter 3 in Ruth where he's making some comments. And I just thought it was really apropos for me and hopefully for you. When we think about how do we justify, how do we mar marry these concepts of God's sovereignty and human responsibility? Well, here's what he says. This is Tony Merida. God's sovereignty is not a license for human inactivity. That is not trusting the Lord but that is testing the Lord. And I don't know about you, but that, that really hit me hard. You know, because a lot of times we, 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 we take the, the, the positive in that, well, I, I just make my own destiny and I'm going to do these things and, and whatever, God will work it out. But we don't ever think about the negative fact and we see it all throughout the Bible, right? What was the issue with the children of Israel? They didn't want to trust God time and time again. Uh, many of the people in the Bible, What's many of my issues are yours. Frankly, sometimes I trust myself more than I trust God. And that's part of the problem. And so I like when, Mer when Merida says, Tony Merida, that God's sovereignty is not a license for you or me to have human inactivity. Like he gave you a brain. He gave you a heart. He gave you a mind. He gave you an intellect. He gave you a will. 
That is not trusting the Lord, but that's testing the Lord. And so it's, you know, not meant to be preachy at you, friends. If it comes across that way, I suppose maybe a little, but that, that's really not my intent here. It's more just to share devotionally for us to think about how many times have you and I tested God by saying, you know, I'm just not going to do anything. And the reality is, even in the story of Ruth and Boaz, which I didn't get into, Ruth takes the first step in saying to Boaz, hey, look, I want you to spread your wings. And it's, it's an old Hebrew word or idea of, look, you know, I want you to be my husband. I want you to care for me. I, I want us to, to, to form a relationship. I want us to get married. So she had to take that first step. And so the reality is God is working in, through, out, behind the scenes. Absolutely. But human inactivity on our part is actually testing the Lord, not trusting him. So think about that. Yes, God is sovereign. And yes, you and I do have a responsibility. Someday, one day in heaven, we'll figure all that out. For those of you that may not know, you know, know Jesus, or maybe you'd say you're an atheist or an agnostic and you completely disagree with this. Hey, if you listened, thank you for listening. And, and I'd love to talk with you. Um, I'd love to hear kind of your, your take on things. And I'd love to share with you more um, as God has worked in my life uh, sovereignly and, and in too many situations for me to say, yeah, I just make my own destiny. Now, there is no doubt about it. I have a mind, an intellect, a will, emotions, and I do make choices. And sadly, too many times, probably don't make the right ones. <laughs> and the soul that's there is not, oh good, I'll go make a bunch more bad decisions. The soul that's there is, God can even make take my bad decisions and bring good out of it. And so there's solace there in that, even though I'm not good, he is. So for Northeast by Midwest, God is sovereign, and yes, you and I are responsible. Have a great day.